Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. What is up, guys? Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Hey, I'm sitting down with Brian Ponciano. How you doing, man? I am fucking amazing. <laughs> Glad you got yeah, here, buddy. This is, be, uh, this is gonna be a great episode. Uh, Brian has a just incredible story. Uh, truly, like one of those rags to riches stories. Uh, I don't want to take too much away with it. I just want to kind of jump right in, man. I, you warned me before that uh, you're a talker, so uh, I want to condense this down and give you as much time as possible to get as much of your story and content out there for our listeners. So let's just jump right into it, man, and, and tell everybody uh, where you came from and, and how did you get your start in real estate investing? Uh, thank you, man. I really, really appreciate you having me on the show. So uh, as you said, my name is Brian. I am from immigrant parents from Guatemala. So both of my parents were born and raised in Guatemala. English was my not my first language. So, you know, I grew up in the ghettos of Los Angeles. I was just over there, fuck, you know, for New Year's, I was hanging out. I got invited to a party up there in the Hollywood Hills, but I took chance to go back to my old neighborhoods. And, dude, I, I, man, my elementary school was literally right next to the fucking freeway. Like, <laughs> literally right next to the fucking freeway. My elementary school and it's a whole area, you know, when I told my mom what I was doing, she's like, oh, mijo, you got to be careful out there. She was like, it, it was a it was a crappy neighborhood when we lived there fucking 20, right. 30 years ago. And it's, it's I heard it got shittier ever since. So, yeah, I grew up in the hood, bro. I, I grew up in the ghettos of L.A. I grew up from immigrant parents. Uh, money was something that was not even we never had. That was something that was not even an option uh, disposable income, anything like that. Everything that we did was a struggle. Everybody that we knew was broke. Everybody around us was broke. Uh, gangs, drugs, all that shit. I mean, if you listen to West Coast 90s hip-hop, that was my life. And, and I may have not have been involved in the gang banging like that, but all that stuff that you hear on the songs was the realities of my life. You know. So how did you avoid not getting involved in that? Because what I, I guess the perception that I've always received either from, you know, movies or, or the hip hop that you're talking about is that it's almost not even an option. Like you're just kind of forced and you're born into it. Um, and that, that they're, they're not too far. Um, they're not too far away from that. I tell, you know, so I recently got interviewed in a different podcast and I was mentioning to them that I grew up around that. Uh, luckily for me, my parents were very, very into the church. So they were like, you know, they had me going to church fucking six, seven days a week. They were like, we're not going to give you the opportunity. <laughs> Nonetheless, though, I was still hanging around gang members. I was still I, I was what's, what you would known as a peewee in that area. And basically what a peewee is, is somebody that's just kind of hanging around. You're not really part of the gang. You're not even official yet. You're kind of just like being in around. Eventually, you'll get jumped in. And become part of the gang. So I was, I was, I was kind of, uh, you know, I was sitting in that fence. I was, I was You're like a there, groupie, kind of not, and, yeah, gangbangers. <laughs> in a, in a sense, and and you know, in in that area, as you mentioned, a lot of times you don't have a choice. The right. the most common question that I heard as a kid from random individuals is, "Hey, where are you from?" 
where are you from? That, that, that's basically translated to what gang are you affiliated with? Right. Everybody, everybody came up to you. Hey, where are you from, man? Where the fuck? Where are you from, fool? It was just, it was just a natural thing. It didn't matter, bro. This, I mean, this shit was happening in elementary school. I I remember I went to my elementary school. So I went to the one next to the freeway. Then we moved to a different part of town. I went to that elementary school and I remember they had a little park right next door. And dude, there was motherfuckers fighting gang, gang, like related fighting because their family was associated with that gang. That family was associated with that gang in fucking third grade. Wow. I mean, you're, you're talking about eight, nine year old fucking kids. And they're over there beating the fuck out of each other in this park next to the school because this was the reality. And the thing is, is that everybody came up to you and asked you where you're from. And eventually, if you were known not to be affiliated with anybody, you be, you become a mark. You're a target. Now people can fuck with you because they know that there's no repercussion coming to you. Wow. And, you know, one of the things that, that I fucking I'm just going to put out there because I don't know who your audience is. I'm assuming most of them I want to do real estate, but I don't know where their background is. Right. It's very, very simple, very, very easy to live in small town America, to live in fucking Kansas or wherever. And you say, oh, look at these motherfuckers out there. Like, why don't they just choose not to do it? it it's not that simple. Right. You know, if, if there, there is people that find ways to avoid it, but you're, you're, it comes with all these, all this extra bullshit. And in areas like that where, gangs and drugs and police fucking with you even if you're not doing anything you know even if you're not anything like that it's just it's just in their culture to do eventually you start finding refuge in other areas and unfortunately in those type of scenarios and those type of areas you know i was lucky to have my father live with us but most people in my neighborhood did not have that right most people did not have a strong father figure so the gang members were the strong father figure most of our neighborhoods, like the only way that you could think of to ever get out of the hood was to become some type of uh, entertainer, you know, some type of ball player or some type of uh, singer or something else where you can just entertain people. It, they were, there, was no, there was no vision of, hey, man, you know, one day I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this. So, you know, a lot, I, I remind people this because you can't judge other people based on shit that you don't know. Right. So let's, let's talk about how did you make the transition from that being what you grew up in? That's your childhood. That's the setting that you're in. And, and now I'm assuming I'm, I'm not making assumptions here, but I mean, you're a very successful, um, entrepreneur, real estate investor, you know, a a multimillionaire at this point, I would assume. Almost. How did you make that almost? How did you make that (laughs) transition? And and what was the start of moving away from that life to becoming an entrepreneur? Um, You know, honestly, I I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Uh, I believe that my parents were smart enough to realize that this was going to be an inevitable part of our life regardless of how much they taught us against, regardless of how good our family life was. They, they knew that there was a high possibility that when we got to that rebellious age, we were going to get into the gangs. And, and, and the reason why they knew that is because our next door neighbor, who they actually happened to grow up in Guatemala with, 
they they had a I mean they had a more money than we did. I remember we lived in this these apartments. It was like this house that would got turned into a bunch of apartments, and they literally bought the house next door. Their kid got involved with the gang right across the street, so they knew that it, it that it wasn't it wasn't impossible. So they brought me over to Phoenix, and luckily for me in Phoenix, things were a lot more calm, and and that life was not that way. So I, I was able to look and expand at different things. I do remember that when we were growing up, the only person, so as I said, my parents were from Guatemala. In Los Angeles, there's a big Guatemalan community. In our churches that we went to, they were all in Spanish. There's a huge Central uh, Latin American community. But a lot of the people that they knew from their childhood, I would say about half of their friends lived in the L.A. area. So we would see them from time to time. The only people, the only person that had any type of money was this guy named Byron, um, and his mom was a realtor. And I just remember that at that point, I, I always, it made me very interested in becoming a realtor. Right. Uh, and just just being in real estate in general, because I didn't know any other way to do that. So I was, I, when I came to Arizona, you know, I call Arizona the land of opportunity. Uh, there's very, very few people that were born and raised in Arizona. Most people are transplants. And I look at it as a microcosm of the U.S., meaning that there's so many different talented people from so many different places. And you just get this aggregate here. And, and it just it, because of our laws, because of our taxes, it just makes it very, very easy to start a business. So I knew from a young age as I was going growing up through high school that I didn't like the bullshit that was being fed to me. I didn't like this whole idea of you need to go to college, you need to do this, you need to do that. And, and, I, and I looked at it and I almost fell down that trap. But I can't, for whatever reason, you know, Byron's mom, whose name I forget now, but I just remember that she lived a different life than everybody else did. And I remember that everybody used to like break their backs and, and work 10, 12 hours a day and not have shit. And Amazing I remember this how lady little fucking, like seeds like that as a child can be planted in your brain and have such a large impact on you moving forward in your in your life and in your career. You know, one person that essentially, I mean, to the to this day, you, you can't even remember her name. Nope. But really, is a huge credit to to where you are today. Yeah. When when people ask me, hey, when did you first get interested in real estate? I always revert back to that same story because. That really just remember we were living in L.A. We were living in the ghettos of L.A. Having access to a public pool was a fucking pleasure. I show up to this fucking lady's house. She lives in a gated community. and She's got a pool in her backyard. Man, I thought she was fucking I thought she was Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this all comes from our environment because, right. mind you, we didn't have anything. We're dude. we were so fucking broke growing up. That we used to make fun of our shoes when they would when the when the glue would come off, and we would always say, "Hey, look, check it out! My shoe's talking to me," and it was <laughs> it was the the bottom, the sole of your shoe, right? It was open and close. You know, we we all we all ate free lunch at that school. We all had lunch tickets. We we you know there was these little designs that we would make on the lunch tickets and make a little frog and a little football and all these other stupid shit that we did with our free lunch tickets. Um, this was all part of the reality. So when I first came to Arizona, you know, I think that a, a change of environment is great for anybody looking to make a change. Right. The fact that I wasn't around the same people, the fact that I wasn't around even, you know, not only just the gangbangers and everybody else, but just a poor mentality 
just that that extra impoverished mentality that we get a lot of times from being immigrants where you just come in and you just they're they're taught to being worked so so hard and hard and hard so right. i just i knew that i wanted something better and right about the age of 18 i started attending a bunch of seminars and i and i ran into some group called new reach back in the day which offered like uh, educational programming and that type of shit for real estate and i didn't have the money to buy the program but I was always very, very interested. And I knew as soon as I heard about the concept of, of wholesaling, as soon as I heard about the concept of fixing and flipping with no, no money out of your own pocket, no credit, I, I knew that that, was, that that was really the only alternative that I had because I couldn't think of any other way that I was going to make money um, in, in that substance that quickly, that easily. There was nothing else that I could have even think of that, that would have been close to that. Right. And and moving forward in your story, after you found out about wholesaling and, and fix and flips and, and not using any of your own money, you still weren't in a position to where you could start that. You actually started with a, a little bit of a different business, right? With, with yeah, the bandit so signs. I did, I did start with the bandit signs. However, I had an opportunity to be in the business a little bit before. So uh, via, you know, it's like about 2006 at this point, I am working for corporate America. Uh, I'm working for AT&T at this point, And I'm just like, dude, I'm fucking fed up with this shit. Like I am. So I'm, I, I don't like it. Some, some stupid incident happens. And at the end of the day, like I didn't even give a shit about my job so much that I didn't even call my union rep to come and protect me. Like, I was just like, yeah, dude, just fucking fire me. Like, I don't even give a fuck <laughs> at this point. Fuck you. So at that point, I um, I just, I knew that I wanted to be in real estate and I didn't know how I was going to get in. I, I was on Craigslist and I saw, uh, it was called, it was called Bisbee Homes or Busby Homes or some shit like that. They sold uh, manufactured homes. Okay. And um, I, I, I answered an ad. They said, hey, you can come in and you can sit here and you can sell these homes. And to me, that was my first step into real estate. Like, I was like, fuck, dude. I mean, it is mobile homes, uh, but it's still kind of real estate. So let me get in there. And now, when I walked into this place, there was nothing. You sat in this fucking office all fucking day, just waiting for somebody to come in. Then if they showed any type of interest, then you would walk them through these model homes that were all... You know, in the middle of fucking summertime here in Arizona, none of these things have air conditioning. They've just been sitting there, <laughs> a fucking tin box. You know, you're walking, sweating your nuts off from one to the other. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you try to bring them back into the office and get them to qualify for financing so they can buy a piece of land and they can get this thing. And it was just, it sucked. It sucked. And I spent a lot of time not doing anything. Right. So through there, I kept on looking at Craigslist. I found some guy that said, hey, man, I'm an investor. I'm willing to teach you. If you're just willing to work and I'm like, fuck, man, this sounds like another Nuber reach pitch, but what the fuck do I have to lose? So I showed up to this guy and turns out he was a legitimate investor and he was he he had been a wholesaler for a while. Him and his business partner were separating and he was starting his own team. And he said, hey, man, I can't pay you. I can't give you anything. Um, the only thing I can do is I can teach you how to door knock and I'll give you a lead list. And then you just you're off on your own. And that's that's really how I started. Now, this was, as I said, this was in 2006. It took about nine months before I got my first deal of literally just door knocking. And at that point, I didn't have a, I didn't have a fucking computer. I didn't have a fax machine. I didn't have a printer. 
So I had to drive a cooler across town. It was about a 45 minute drive each way to go pick up leads just to drive back to my side of town to go then start door knocking on this on these leads. And in you Arizona, know, in the middle of the desert, where it's like 120 degrees. That is door correct. Knocking. Door knocking. And for anybody out there interested in getting into real estate, now let, let me say this, and I mean this 100%. If you want to fucking guarantee success in real estate, like you just want a 100% fucking guarantee there's no way that I can fucking fail ever in real estate, learn to be good at door knocking. If you right. if you can if you can door knock and you and you're able to get deals from door knocking, there is absolutely nothing scarier in real estate than going up to somebody's house that you don't fucking know, knocking on their door saying, "Hey man, you're about to lose your house. Can I buy it from you?" Like, man, can you imagine the level of fuck you, go fuck yourself, you're a fucking scammer, you're a piece of shit. I mean, all these things, the, the level of aggression and mind you, I was door knocking in the hood. So the level of aggression is even higher there. I did that for months right, and right. months and months before I found my first deal. Now, I ended up losing my ass right where everybody did. And we were dealing with pre-foreclosures. So it was right about the end of 2007-ish when I, when I lost my ass. Sometime in 2008, I had to go back to corporate America and did that for a year and said, fuck this shit, man. I cannot do this shit again. <laughs> now, I, I, I quit my job. I quit my job and, you know, the definition of entrepreneurship is somebody that builds a, somebody that jumps off a cliff and builds a plane on the way down. I love it. And that's why most of you motherfuckers out there can't be entrepreneurs. Right. All you because everybody says they want to work for themselves. Everybody's like, I want to be my own boss. Motherfucker, here's what it takes. It takes these big old motherfucking gorilla balls for you to jump off the cliff and build the plane on the way down. Right. I quit my job, so I, I came back to corporate America. I was working for Verizon Wireless at this point, and I quit my job. And the reason why I mentioned the company that I was working with is Verizon Wireless is a utility. Statistically speaking, utilities don't the, – uh, the recession doesn't affect them. So my job was pretty much secure in that sense. It, the recession wasn't going to affect people using cell phones. That's just that become a necessity at this point. Right. So when I decided that I was going to quit, everybody thought I was fucking stupid. Everybody, including my fucking mom, including my dad, including everybody, honestly, with the exception of my little brother, like everybody thought I was a fucking idiot. Everybody at work told me I was a fucking idiot. They all shared their stories about how and how they, you know, blah, 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 bought some houses and they lost their ass in the recession and, and this, this, that, blah, 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 blah. They all thought I was a fucking idiot. And I had a plan. I, I was I was going to go work with this broker that I met. He was going to bring me onto his team and we were going to do REOs. And I literally, I quit my job. I put in my two weeks. I said, man, fuck this shit. I'm gone. Right when the two weeks was up, I called the guy and I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm fucking tomorrow's my last day. When can we get started? And fucking number was disconnected. Oh, <laughs> golly. <laughs> But real, real quick, let me definite... let me interject real quick because I, I want to sure. touch base on two things that you said there that I think sure. are vitally important. First, everyone thought that you were a fucking idiot, right? When you were mm -hmm. quitting your job. And you might be sitting and listening to this right now, and you might be in a similar situation where people are doubting you and saying maybe you should not jump off that cliff and build the plane on the way down. But what you have to do is is look at this situation and look at the people that are telling you that you're an idiot and why you 
shouldn't do it. And then say, do I want their life? Like you're telling me that your mom and dad thought that you were an idiot, but nope. they never had money. They never, nope. they never had wealth. You're, and that, that's that how I knew working with that, at Verizon. were telling you that don't quit your job. Exactly. Them saying, but I don't want the miserable life that we all have right now together. Exactly. And that's how I knew that I was onto something. When my mom got so fucking upset that she wouldn't talk to me because of the decision that I made, that's when I knew that I was onto the right path. Yep. I, because like, just like you said, I didn't want to be like them. Right. And the second thing is, is talking about door knocking. And if you want to be successful in this business or, if you want to make sure that there will always be an opportunity for you to generate revenue for yourself, get good at door knocking. I cannot, I cannot emphasize how correct you are when you say that. You know, when we, when, when Cassie and I first started our company, um, we, we didn't start out in real estate investing. Um, the first thing that we did was we went out and sold roofs. Uh-huh. And, and we door knocked, just like you in the, in the Texas summer. And and both of us, we would go to our job. We would work 8 to 5. And from 5.15 until the sun went down, we were door knocking, selling roofs. And then doing those projects, either on the weekends or, or during our lunch break, scheduling, ordering materials, scheduling the labor, collecting checks after we got off, all of these things to get started. And, and even moving forward now, just yesterday... Um, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday, I had Titanium Tuesdays on Propelio TV, and I had Ashton Richardson on, and she's known as the door knocking queen. That is the only marketing that she does, and she only spends $500 a month. Mm-hmm. And, and she goes out and she gets wholesale deals. She does fix and flip. She does rentals. She does owner financing, all from her door knocking. And Every single thing can come from there. If yes. you do direct sales in any matter, so it doesn't have to be real estate, like you said. But if you do any type of direct sales, you will be successful. So I, I didn't mention something because it wasn't part of my real estate story, but it kind of ties into this. When I was 22, I was in desperate need of money. I looked at the newspaper and this place said, hey, uh, work today, get paid cash today. I was like, fuck, yeah, that's exactly what I need. So I went out there and I was looking at these things. And basically what it was is we would go to this warehouse. They would pile up a box full of shit. And and I'm talking about fucking coloring books and lighters and knife sets, watches, sunglasses. I mean the crappiest shit you can get from China. And we would go and directly sell this business to business. So just walk into a store. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. We're selling this, this, and that. I remember the guy that trained me. He said... If you stick with this for three to six months, I promise you that you will never, ever, ever have problem finding work the rest of your life. And man, was he right. You know, I know for a fact, because I know how to do sales, that if fucking the world collapses and all my whole real estate empire disappears, I can always get sales job anywhere else. Right. And it's the toughest form of sales, which in this particular one, was impulse selling, meaning that I would walk up to your office and be like, hey, man, check out these water guns. You didn't wake up thinking about a water to fucking buy a water right. gun. Uh, but in this, and you were doing the exact same thing. You were going up to people's houses, door knocking on there and being like, hey, here's what we can do. Maybe right. they were thinking about it, but it's not like they woke up that morning and said, hey, Let me you tell know, you, there's not one person in this door. world <laughs> that ever wants to talk about getting their roof replaced. Hell they no. never want to talk about it. 
But in, in here's the reason why door knocking is so powerful. And I talk about this all the time in my company now because we do so many different forms of marketing. What door knocking does is it removes a barrier of entry. You're right there in front of their face. You don't have to schedule another appointment or anything like that. That's the moment of truth at that point in time. Any other form of marketing, be it direct mail, uh, you know, SEO, Facebook advertising, Google pay-per-click, you are now relying on the motivated seller or the client to take action to get in touch with you. Whereas in door knocking, you're right then and there. You can you can actually get a contract at that moment. It's all mm -hmm. up to you and your sales skills. That's why it's so powerful. Well, and and I completely agree with everything that you just said. And if anybody listening, please rewind that, what he just fucking said, and pay attention because it really does remove that. However, to me, the more important part is that it builds that fucking thick skin. Yep. My, my good friend Nick travels all over the world, fucking white boy. He was down in Costa Rica and Central America for the longest time, right? And he, he would tell me all the time, he's like, man, it's so funny when you see these people, whether it's Americans or um, Europeans or whatever, they come out to the jungle and they get fucked up. And he's like, <laughs> dude, because they don't have the leather. They, they haven't grown that leather on their skin, which is what happens when you start living in the jungle and the beach after a while. Like, dude, these people are tough as nails. But right. you haven't built that leather. Now, what I'm trying to say with that is that door knocking builds the leather on your skin. Like there is no other, there's nothing scarier in real estate. There's nothing scarier than walking up to somebody, knocking on their door. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. You don't know what type of response you're going to get. You don't know any anything. Right. And, and the conversation can go from, as you said, go fuck yourself to, hey, you know, why don't you walk inside? I really like what you had to say. Let's sit there and talk numbers. And if you happen to be good enough and have a contract with you, you could literally walk away with the contract. But there's nothing scarier. Calling people on the phone, cold calling is not as scary as door knocking. Talking no. to investors and, and networking is not as scary. Asking for asking investors for money so you can give them a great return is not as scary anymore. It, it basically removes it, it. It fucking grows that hair on your peaches, bro. Like it, <laughs> it grows. It grows that thick skin. It makes say, all right, man, now. You've done it the hardest way. And I always use this analogy, and it's so fucking stupid, but it, it's so, it hits home to me all the fucking time. Uh, my, little, my nephew, who's now 17 years old, about to be 18, but he was about two years old at this point. I remember going to Walmart and getting one of those fucking $5 DVDs, and it was the Ninja Turtles. It was an animated show. And uh, there was an narration in the beginning where Master Splinter, their, their master, mm -hmm. says, in the road of life, when given two choices, always take the harder road. And to me, that always stuck. And, and this the door knocking, that, that is the harder road. Yes, you could send out some fucking mail and wait for people to, to, to call you and respond. But the getting out there right in front of their face, boom, 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 boom. Hey, I see your fucking car out there. Like, come on, let's just talk. Let's get this over. We're like, you're not going to avoid this shit. Let's get this over. I'm already here anyway. What are you going to do? Call fucking those 50 letters you got on your counter? I'm already here anyway. Right. All that right there, man, it grows that skin and there's nothing easier. I mean, it doesn't get harder past that. That's like it's so you, funny you bring you that up, man, because road. I, I tell people all the time now when they're getting started and I'm like, hey, what advice would you give me? I said, or, or what advice would you give yourself, you know, back when you started? And I said, I wish I would have set my business up 
day one the way I wanted it to run five, six years down the road. Mm-hmm. Because what I did was is I took the easy route from the beginning. I didn't set up systems and processes the way I needed to until it became an issue. And, yes. and by taking the easy route, I actually took the harder route. Of course. Had I taken the hard route and set everything up and sat down and thought about it like, hey, not what accounting software do I need because I'm doing one deal a month? I should have thought, hey, what accounting software am I going to need when I'm freaking doing 300 deals across the country in every single state? Like, I, yep. I need to know what to do there because now all of a sudden that I've grown and scaled, I'm like, holy crap, we don't have the correct systems in place for certain aspects of our business because I took the easy way. So I, I completely agree. Take the look at it and, and make sure that you are taking the correct route and, and not shortchanging yourself in the process. So the only thing worse than going down the wrong road is going down the wrong road enthusiastically. <laughs> fucking being excited that you're fucking, hey, man, I'm fucking, I'm going right here. Right. To go hit a fucking dead end and be like, God damn it, motherfucker. Now I got to turn around and go figure this out again. So I think this is a perfect time for me to bring this up. Um, you and I are... I guess pseudo members of the kingdom. I've had I've had Jordan Stanley Payne on the show. I've had Todd Fleming on here twice now, um, and and you and I are going to be speaking um, here at the Kingdom Connect in in Dallas at that event. Yes, and, we will. Uh, you you uh, just recently spoke at the Phoenix uh, Kingdom Connect, and I, I love what you said in your speech, and and I think this kind of takes. Uh, this is a good time to bring that up because it, it goes into what you were just talking about. But kind of break down your speech to the kingdom members at Phoenix. Well, there was two topics. First topic is the wolf in your head is worse than the wolf in real life. Right. You have to understand, guys, anybody listening, anybody out there, wherever position you're at, whatever level you're at, it's never as hard as it seems but it's never as good as it seems either. And whenever you get there, you it things look so fucking daunting in your mind. And you have to remind yourself that the wolf in your mind is worse than the wolf in real life. How many times have you said, hey, man, I want to do that. Oh, that looks tough, man. But fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. And you go and like, I always use hiking as an example. You go, you look, you start and you look at the top of the mountain. You're like, fuck, that looks far. That looks... Whatever, you know, you start 20, 30 <laughs> minutes into it, your feet start hurting, your legs start hurting. You're like, oh, man, but you just keep on pushing yourself. Eventually, you make it to the top and you're like, oh, man, you know, that took some work, but that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be because right. the wolf in your head is worse than the wolf in real life. And then my second message was, y'all full of fucking, you're all full of shit. <laughs> Everybody is full right. of shit. Every single person here is full of shit. The reason why you haven't gone and evolved is because you have not, because you were full of shit. You've chosen not to do it. It's not that you can't. The, the, when I was walking through the kingdom, so you know, I had the opportunity to meet some of the guys beforehand. Me and Ed had, had created a relationship on Facebook and he invited me to come into the group and he, he had seen what I did, but he had, didn't tell anybody. So most people didn't know who I was and I'm just kind of sitting around 
and I'm hearing all these fucking excuses. Everybody's like, well, you know, I haven't done my first wholesale deal because of this, or I haven't got this because of that, or I, I have trouble raising money because of here. And mm -hmm. everybody was just fucking full of shit. They were so full of shit that they didn't even realize they were full of shit. And yep. if you, you know, we all known somebody like this, whether it's a friend, family member, some kid that we went to fucking school with, but this motherfucker's family was nasty. Like their house was fucking dirty. They, they piled up the fucking dishes. They, they fucking stored their, the trash right by the door because they were too lazy to take it out to the fucking front or the back. Uh, they, they, they slept on their goddamn laundry. They were just dirty, dirty, dirty individuals. Well, this motherfucker doesn't realize that he's a dirty individual until he goes in outside of his home. Mm -hmm. Until somebody else comes in his house and says, dude, what the fuck is this? Why does it smell like shit? And the kid's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't smell anything. It's, he's so used to being full of shit that he doesn't even smell the bullshit around him. Yep. And that's where most people are. Most people have self-limiting beliefs because the wolf in your head is worse than the wolf in real life. And you're completely full of shit. Everything that you have heard, everything that you have learned has come from a bullshit perspective. The people that have taught you, whether it be your parents, your teachers, your, uh, your spiritual leaders, whatever, they, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they just make up shit. And then they tell it to you and you take it like it's fucking word because you're a kid and you trust your parents. And it's not until you become an adult that you realize that they were awful. the thing man and and this might come across as like egotistical but for anybody that personally knows me they know i'm a very humble person and i, I don't have an ego problem but when people ask me like hey rj who coached you who was your mentor who who taught you to do what you do the the answer is i mean there's people out there that sure have have I taken advice from yeah trevor mock you know the don costas the mike hambrights mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I've attended masterminds and learned from people, but at the end of the day, what made this happen? There wasn't one person or one thing that made me achieve success. It's because I went out there and I did it. So at the end of the day, when they're like, how did you, you know, who taught you how to do this? Nobody, me, I learned how to do this. I went out and did it, me and my partner and all my partners that I have across the country. There, there's not one person that sits in my office and says, okay, RJ, here's what you're going to do next. Mm -hmm. we, we we learn from our mistakes we fail forward and we take massive action massive action the information like I, is out there absolutely it's all over the place you guys uh you and chris Antaveras, y'all have a show uh arizona flip guys every friday y'all go live y'all have great guests come on you share great content propelio has great content Flipner, bigger pockets i mean steve trang has great guests on every week i mean the, this the titanium vault I mean, there's so much free information out there that people just it, – it almost makes me sick to my stomach when people tell me, like, well, I can't, I can't change my life right now because I don't have the money to invest in education. No, you don't have the time to invest in watching free YouTube videos? What are you talking about? Go watch Max Maxwell for two seconds, and he teaches you how to wholesale a property that you can go make ten dollars or $20,000, and you're rocking and rolling. All it takes is one deal. That's literally what Max Maxwell is like, his little catch slogan. But it takes one deal mm -hmm. to change your life. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. All these people that feel like they, they can't, oh, there's too many, you know, there's not good deals. There's too, it's too saturated in my market. Nah, bullshit. It's all full of shit. They're all 
full of shit, bro. And yeah. that, that's why I'm saying it. That it's it's funny because that was not meant to be my topic when I went speak to the kingdom, <laughs> but because you know they asked me to speak the second day and I had been there for a day and a half, just hearing people say that type of horseshit, that fucking bullshit that you just said. Oh well, you know it's just too this or it's too expensive or it's too there or nobody lives. My town is too small. My my place is too big. Like motherfucker, dude. Everybody had an excuse. You are so right. And you know what? One thing that you did say that I completely agree is that it all comes internally. Yep. My my mom used to tell me all the time in Spanish, el que busca encuentra, which means if you look for it, you'll find it. And with the amount of information that is out there via YouTube videos, via podcasts, via Facebook lives, via different venues, uh, free events, paid events, all kinds of shit. Man, if you want it, you will find it. Absolutely. If you, if you, the, you know, the concept of wholesaling is not that fucking hard. It's not rocket science. Guys, I, I don't have education. You know, I didn't go to college to do anything. I didn't, I didn't do any of that shit. I, my parents couldn't afford it anyway. Let me, I, let I, me share a little story that I, I don't think I've ever shared anywhere publicly. So this is going to be the first time I ever share this story. Nice. I was sitting in a hotel room with someone up on stage teaching me how to wholesale a property okay and so at this point in time they have said you find a property and you determine what the arv is and you multiply that by 70 percent, and then you subtract the repairs and then you subtract your wholesale fee and that's your offer okay so this is what they've taught me so i am literally while they are teaching me I Facebook messaged someone from my high school that I knew was a realtor. She's the only person I knew that was a realtor. I said, hey, what's your email? She said, blah, blah, blah. This is my email. I said, okay, I'm about to send you properties that I want you to make offers on. And I'm on Zillow. I, I don't know that I'm not supposed to offer as a wholesaler on properties on the MLS. I, mm -hmm. just thought, I, I just learned, hey, this is what you do. So I'm on Zillow in my neighborhood that I live, and I'm looking at every property and I'm going, okay, it's worth this. And I was doing the math and I was just emailing her properties. Offer this, offer this, offer this. And she was sending me contracts while I'm in the room. Learned, I hadn't learned it more than 35 seconds. I was already sending offers out because I, there was no fear. What was, the, what was I so, to be afraid of? The mm -hmm. fact that I might get a property under contract and make money? Guess what ended up happening? I got a property under contract and I sold it and I made $7,000. Beautiful. I mean, it, Beautiful. It, it, it just, and so when people tell me, well, I don't know enough, it, shut up. It, it, it bro, I, <laughs> so those people, I ran into one of those people. This was many years ago. This motherfucker called me off a bandit sign that I had up there and he was very confrontational. He was like, Hey man, you, you took down my sign to put your sign up and everything. And I'm like, dude, just, just, just quit. You know, I could tell he's new. Anyway, I was like, instead of being a dumbass, why don't you approach me in a nice way and let me know if you have anything that you need help with? And he's like, yeah, I actually have this deal. So I tell him, all right, man, bring me the information. Come over to my office. Bring me what you have. This motherfucker brought a packet of like 50 papers. Bro, he, he had gone to some seminar and they had told him that he needed to get his website done. He needed to get his business card. He needed to get his contracts looking all pretty. He needed to get all kinds of shit, bro. He bought big old stack of fucking papers. In that paperwork was not an assignment contract. 
Wow. Like, how the fuck are you going to wholesale this? You dumb <laughs> shit. You need two fucking contracts. That's all you need. You need a fucking option or purchase contract, and you need a fucking assignment contract. That's right. all you fucking need. Uh, it, it bothered me so much because this guy talked about how he had spent the last three months working on all the stuff on the back end stuff to get everything right and get everything prepared. And he was so proud of his stupid fucking contract that had this little handyman. This handyman thing was like his um, logo and he had it watermarked throughout the contract. And he was so proud of that. And I'm like, you stupid fuck. This contract is not worth the shit. You didn't even put Andor sign. You didn't even put this. You didn't give your way away out. You know, luckily for me, when I went in there, the sellers, they didn't really know what the hell they were doing. And I said, hey, we need to resign the contract. And I got everything taken care of. But man, this guy could have been in for a world of hurting right. because he was so much focused on the wrong things. And as you said, you don't need the education. You no. sat in a fucking seminar. You said, okay, boom. And you just took action. And as a human being, that's part of this taking risk. You know, if you're going to jump off a cliff and build a plane on the way down, you can't sit on top of the cliff and fucking think about it because the more you think about it, the more you're going to talk your way out of it. Absolutely. I remember everybody doubted the decision to go into real estate investing. I mean, because to everybody else, they thought I was running a successful business. I had a contracting business. We were selling roofs. We were doing remodeling. We were doing great work. Everyone was like, oh, but you do such amazing work. But I was miserable. We weren't mm -hmm. making any money. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if we're not making money. Why am I working? I'm looking at this going, I'm going to kill myself. Like, this is miserable. I can't handle it, you know? And, yes, sir. And so I saw the opportunity for us to go make money in this. And by that taking that immediate action and getting that deal under contract and making $7,000, that's all I needed. That was the rocket fuel that has gotten me to this point to where we've done hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate since then, since, since 2014. I mean, it, it's not like we've been doing this for, for, you know, for decades. I mean, we we're, we're babies in this, but we've done hundreds of millions of dollars because we just take action. We don't stop, you know? So it look, Anyways, that's our little tangent for today. I mean, I, I, you know, I, that's what I love about this. I, I don't come in uh, with any pre predetermination questions. I mean, it, it, we just free flow. But I, I do want to get to where you are today uh, because it, it's incredible. Um, so, so give everybody a snapshot of you know we know where you came from, but what are you doing today? And and you know what do we expect to see from Brian moving forward? Oh, man. So at this point, I am buying multifamily and I'm buying multifamily nationwide. I, I had got to the same point. You know, the thing about life is that at some point, man, you realize that, hey, this is not what the fuck I wanted. And right. I got it. I got to that point when I was fixing and flipping a lot of houses and I was, you know, I was doing like 15 houses at a time or some shit, man. And it just it, it got it, it became a job after a while. Yep. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this all the time. And even though I was making money, I was like, I don't know. If, there's got to be a different way to make money. So I started looking for information. I started talking to my network and they told me, hey, man, you know, you should look at building passive income. So I, I started looking into passive income. What's different ways that I can create passive income? I didn't want to go join an MLM. I didn't want to do start a different business. I was already in real estate. So how can I leverage that to do? And I, and I bought my first rental property. I partnered up with a friend. Then I bought my second rental property, partnered up with a friend. But those were single family houses. 
And I'm like, ah, I don't, dude, this is going to take forever. Like, this fuck, I don't know if I want to wait this long. <laughs> <laughs> so I started looking at it and I said, okay, well, maybe if I do, you know, if I buy multifamily. Now, my limited mindset, because I did come from a poor background, was always like, oh, well, maybe I can just rent out, you know, maybe I can buy a little fourplex over here or something along those lines. And, and I just, I knew that I wanted to create that bigger and better. I eventually found some place that I went and I learned and I, and I sat there and I listened to this guy and he said, you know, why are you going to bust your ass off to find a property that you're going to make $10,000 on, on a wholesale or whatever, as to busting your ass and working on a property a little bit harder, a little bit longer, but that's going to pay you a few thousand dollars a month. And that's every month. And right. I was like, huh, <laughs> that, that just, that, 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 that put, turned on the light bulb. Right. And I came back and I told my assistant, we're fucking changing everything. Like We are fucking <laughs> switching everything around. I'm fucking stopping all my goddamn flips and I'm going to focus 100% on multifamily. So that's what I've been doing here for the last uh, two years. Right now, I am um, I'm looking to close on a, another apartment complex that we have with my business partner, Chris. And that one we should be closing here by the end of the month. But we have, you know, I said we've bought different properties I bought all of these properties with no money out of my own pocket, not using my credit, not having any anything in that sense that people would think, hey, I think I would need to do that. And one thing that I do want to point out there is I had an opportunity to be, you You know, we talked a little bit before the phone call. And you said that you heard me on the Corey Peterson podcast. Yep. And And Corey is a good friend of mine. Corey used to be a client of mine back when I did the bandit signs. Corey tried to tell me five years ago when he was working on his very first multifamily. He's like, BP, check this shit out, bro. And, <laughs> and, and I went there and I'm like, yeah, but teach me how to raise money. And I'm, I'm thinking I want to do flips because at this point I was doing a few flips, but I needed more money to do more flips. So I'm like, teach me how to raise money. He's like, well, yeah, but check out this multifamily. And I'm like, but yeah, check. What about these flips? And he's like, fuck these flips. Like, but I couldn't wrap my mind around doing deals of that caliber. I couldn't wrap my mind about bringing people together and pulling money and those large sums of money because I was used to dealing with a lot smaller sums of money, which were a lot more comfortable to me. Right. And the only realization that I've had between now and then, you know, you said, if I can go back and, and tell myself and how would I start, I would say, hey, man, check out your business years down the road. Well, my suggestion to myself would be it's all in your fucking head. Mm -hmm. Every single time that I've leveled up, it's because in my head, I could believe that I could level up. When I went from being a bandit sign guy to wholesaling, to start, you know, working with somebody, then I took the leap of working with myself. Then I went and I said, started flipping. Then I started flipping multiple properties. Then I branched it up to what I did. Then I said, you know what? I want to go move into uh, multifamily. Then I bought my first one here within state. And then I said, you know, I want to buy something outside of the fucking state. Then I went ahead and did that. It, 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 all these things combined. Every single one of these steps was just a different level of me believing myself that I can achieve that. You know what's so funny, man, is is while you were sitting there telling that story, I, I think back to I, I went to a mastermind and and this is probably one of the first masterminds that I ever went to. And you know, the whole first day they went through the majority of the room where it was like, okay, what's going on in your business? How can we help you? 
And all these people had these very detailed like needs in their business. Like mm-hmm. I need to hire an acquisitions manager. Or, oh, my marketing's not working. And all, all of that wasn't an issue for us. And the second day it comes around to me and uh, he asked me, he says, okay, you know, how can we help your, your company? And I'm like, I, I need to know how to raise private capital. I don't know how to do it, and and I'm not good at it. And it was like, as I said it, it was like because you've never tried, you you literally have never asked for it. You've mm-hmm. never made an effort to raise private money. And the guy sitting next to me looks at me and says, "I got money. How much do you need?" <laughs> and since then, he has given me tens of millions of dollars. And it, it was that moment that just like dawned on me where it was like I literally never asked. And I thought it was like a huge problem that I couldn't do it until literally the moment that the words came out of my mouth like I need somebody else's money. And the guy was sitting right there and it's like he gave it to me. And so it's so funny that you bring, you know, you talk about it's all in your head and, and whatever, you know. To level up, it just it took you just saying, "Okay, I'm going to level up and put some concerted effort into it." Yes, and every every time every property that we buy has gotten a little bit higher price points and higher price points. And I purposely decided to start smaller and grow my way up. And that's one of the things that I you know I do believe that everybody should take action, but I do also believe that you should that you should. Um, how do I say this? Appreciate the process. Right. Because it's through the process that you learned. Had I not been uh, selling that crap door to door, these toys and shit, I would have never had the balls to then just go in there and just jump into the door knocking. And had I not been door knocking, I would have never had the balls to do everything else and say, man, that shit easy. I can get that shit done. Let's move on to the next level. And had right. I never, never moved on here and moved on there and moved on there. Every one of these steps had brought me to where I'm at. And, you know, now to be able to create passive income, not only for myself, but for my investors, to be able to add value to people. Because at the end of the day, you said you have somebody lending you money or multiple people. I have multiple Mm -hmm. people lending me money. We offer them a value. At the end of the day, we're, we're giving them more passive income. We're giving them more financial freedom that they would be able to do through any other vehicle. And we're, those we're people, not, and, those people are looking for people like us. Yes. And people like us, we need them. And what yes. I mean by that is that we need to, it's a symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to create passive income for myself. I'm able to build long-term wealth for my family, for my kids at the same time, while I'm able to get them an awesome killer return on some shit that they would never be able to get anywhere else anyway. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I, when I, when I came across the concept of buying multifamily, that's when I really, really, really got excited. Cause you know, I was doing a lot of fixing and flipping. One of the reasons why I decided that I didn't want to do it in addition to just wanting the passive income is it was very volatile. Where you know you lend me money, I tell you, hey man, I'm gonna give you X percentage of the deal. Well, get what happens if the you know what happens if the rehab goes up, or what happens if the city's being an asshole and they 
hold us back for a few weeks for no fucking reason. What happens if the utility company does this? What happens if the fucking appraiser says, well, I mean, I know that everything shows this, but I'm going to say it's worth this and go fuck yourself. You can't fight me. You you know, those, those things happen. That's part of the business. So I couldn't give my, I couldn't give my investors a predictable return. I always gave them a good return. I mean, they were, they were no way in fucking hell that we're making that anywhere else. Nonetheless, though, I couldn't pre- give them a predictable return. Right. So I, and when I looked at this and I looked at the, the benefits of doing multifamily, you have now the ability to pull money together if you do it correctly and if you do it through the right channels. You have money to then go and buy uh, of something that's cash flowing or make it cash flowing. You're able to then go ahead and create uh, appreciation and force appreciation by fixing the management issues, by upping the rents, by lowering the expenses, upping what's known as your NOI. And that now determines what you're able to do with the property. And, and because of the way it's structured, I was able to give my investors and say, look, I know for a fact that I can pay you X amount return on your money. And as a bonus, we're going to give you X amount a percentage in the back end for whatever profits we make when we refinance it or sell it. It just became a win-win solution that to me, it just answered everything that I, that I wanted for. And it just made a lot of sense for my lifestyle, for being, you know, traveling as much as I do, having the nonprofit like I do, uh, having a different company, the, the whole lifestyle, the whole section. And then you can create a business system and you're able to run a business system because I had a business system for flipping, but it was still volatile because there was still right. different different things that come into play. Whereas as a multifamily, you're, now you're playing a longer term game. You're able to create these systems or you're able to utilize these systems that allow you to take that slow pace. And now you're able to keep track of everything. You, it, It's a lot more. It's a, it's a little bit more of a sophisticated game because the numbers are bigger. The, the contracts are a little bit more, um, you know, you're not going to sign an option contract in an apartment complex for the most part. Right. <clears throat> but it, it takes a lot longer to, to do due diligence. Nonetheless, it was able to create what I wanted, which is passive income for myself and my investors. And then for us to be able to share in the appreciation of the property, the depreciation against the taxes and be able to create cash flow. Absolutely. In our in our good buddy Corey Peterson's words, it's all about that cash flow life. It's all so, about that cash flow life. <laughs> absolutely. So uh let's wrap up here. Um real quick, you brought up your nonprofit. I have talked about my nonprofit, Beat Kids Cancer, numerous times here on the podcast. So uh drop a line about what your your nonprofit is about and how people can uh, check that out. Sure. So my nonprofit is Together We Grow Phoenix. Uh, Basically, what we do is we help out the homeless and lower income kids here in Phoenix. It started off, honestly, as a accident. We decided one day we were going to pass out water to the homeless because it gets hot here in the summertime. And before you know it, my assistant posted it on Facebook and a bunch of people joined us. And it's been three and a half years now. So we just, you know, we just continue doing that. And as I said, the, the other side is we help lower income kids. This last uh, Christmas, we gave 60 Christmas presents to kids who would not otherwise be able to get Christmas gifts. So, you know, that's just something that we love to do. People can find us on Facebook.com backslash Together We Grow PHX. You can see what we're doing. You can check out our upcoming events. Uh, You can donate if you wish to donate there through our PayPal link. 
but that is just something that we had been, you know, it started off as, as I said, as an accident. As I continued doing it, people started depending. And at this point now, when I run the nonprofit, to me, I hardly get to see the people that we help out, meaning that I hardly get to interact with the homeless and the kids for the most part. But my joy comes from seeing other people that come in and volunteer and have their lives change. They get they get perspective. One of my best friends came out with her teenagers and they live in a they live in a nice part of town. You know, the kids have everything they needed. They've never even been to this part of Phoenix. So they're you know, they're teenagers. They come out and they they volunteer and they're driving back. And she texts me and she's like, man, they were quiet the whole ride home. Like, I've never seen them this quiet. They were they'd never seen these type of things. So to right. me, that that's a great, great way to give out. But yeah, together we grow Phoenix. It's just something that, that we do and my, my way to give back. Awesome, man. Well, Brian, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Uh, for everybody that's listening and if they want to reach out and connect with you or follow you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, yes, you guys, follow me on my Instagram because my Facebook is already maxed out at 5,000 people. So at Cashflow Creator, you can follow me on Instagram there. You can also check us out on the AZ Flip Guys. So if you guys are listening to podcasts, you can check out our show, Flipping Fridays. Same thing as we talked about. We, we don't sell anything. We don't pitch anything. It's just our way to give back. You can also join us live on Facebook.com backslash AZ Flip Guys. We do a show every single Friday at noon Arizona time where we have a different special guest. We're talking about different topics all the time. But the the fun part about the show is that it's a live show so you can come in you can talk some shit you can ask some questions <laughs> you can make some jokes you can share or whatever i mean it, it's a it's a fun interactive we call it a edutainment where you're going to be you're going to be entertained but you're also going to come out learning a lot of things especially on these different topics so yeah at cashflow creator at az flip guys and then if you guys want to join us live facebook.com backslash az flip guys Awesome. And uh, tentatively speaking, it looks like we are going to have a live uh, Titanium Tuesday slash AZ Flip guys on February 12th, where I will be sitting down with both uh, Brian and Chris Ontiveros. Um, that will probably be uh, February, Tuesday, February 12th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, uh, unless something happens with our schedules. Uh, but that will be fun because that will be live. It'll allow everybody to to do Q&A with all three of us together. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today on the Titanium Vault. I appreciate it, and you're such an inspiration and having an incredible story. So thank you for, for sharing your story and uh, bringing an incredible amount of uh, passion to the interview today. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope you guys got a lot of it. I'm really, really looking forward to doing that show together. And you're gonna you're gonna see how we how we do it here now. I would suggest, just on a side note, check out Chris Chris Ontiveros. I would bring him on your show. He's really like the polar opposite of me, and you can see, <laughs> you know, that they they're really the definition of opposites attract. <laughs> so okay, so. <laughs> since since you brought that up, I'm gonna wrap this episode up with this. Chris Ontiveros was supposed to be on the Titanium Vault about a year ago, <laughs> and the day that he was to be interviewed. I had technical issues and I I couldn't hear him. Uh, he could hear me, but I could not hear him and it was totally a setting on my computer and we couldn't figure it out and ever since then we haven't been able to get him back on the show because we, our schedules haven't aligned. 
So I will very much look forward to doing the live interview with you guys. We'll yes, definitely me too. get Chris on the titanium vault here very soon. So Brian, thank you so much. And all right, brother, uh, we'll, I will we'll see, see you in, in Dallas. Yep. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.